0: Welcome to the Layman's Homily Podcast. I'm Tony Durianzo, and alongside me is a guest co-host, my friend, Noah Pills. In this week's episode, we'll be talking about music. Why is music used in the Mass? Are some types of music more sacred than others? And why is it said that singing is praying twice? All this, and more, on Layman's Homily. Welcome back to the podcast As always, we have a packed show for you So let's dive right in This week, uh, like I said in the intro We have a, as a guest co-host, my friend, Noah Pills Woohoo. So Noah, why don't you uh, introduce yourself to our audience
1: Yeah, hey everybody uh, So... Yeah, my name is Noah Pills. I actually used to be one of Tony's roommates here while um, I was back in college at Georgia Tech. I studied computer engineering um, since graduated from then and am now back pursuing my MBA as well as working full-time as an energy consultant. I also play the violin and I was very honored when Tony reached out to me to be the co- guest co-host on this podcast. So I'm happy to be here, man.
0: Yeah, well, glad to have you on the on the podcast. So, yeah, so I chose you because wanted to bring in a musician to talk about music, so we'll dive right in. So, f- first question here. What is the history of music in the church?
1: Wow, yeah. The, luckily for us, the Catholic Church has a rich, such a rich history, and music plays like a pivotal role in all of that, too. And even from the very beginning uh if you've ever heard of gregorian chant Mm -hmm. um so i i actually took a music theory class in high school i studied music theory and that's like one of the first forms of like music that we looked at because it was it was one of the first recorded or transcribed pieces of music uh in history and so there's actually a lot of manuscripts still available that we look to and in the church like we've utilized throughout its history Um, And so just as a music nerd part of me, I, I like being able to see, oh, wow, this this actually goes back so far in time. And what's really beautiful about chant, especially Gregorian chant, is it's using the human voice and just the human voice. And since we are created in the image and likeness of God, the human voice is the best representation of an instrument, like music to God. So mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's, it's really cool to be able to praise him in that, and that the church's history, starting back with Pope Gregory, really. Gregory the Great. Yeah, Gregory the Great, man. That's why we got the name Gregorian chant from, uh, some say too he was a pretty good composer. <laughs> he would write some chants, and um, that tradition is carried through and stuck through. And then right around like 9th, 10th century, organs started becoming... Built and incorporated, and when you think of an organ, it's this beautiful. Everything about the instrument is beautiful, right? So Mm -hmm. it's it's got tons of pipes everywhere, and the way that creates the sound is air moves over the pipes, right, and through the pipes, and they're at different pitches, and they can be played in tandem on a keyboard, basically, and uh, creates tons of harmony when you play multiple keys at once, and it helped the congregation really to pray um, and praise as well. So even to this day, when you hear organ, you immediately associate it, you know, with church music and from or the...
0: ballparks.
1: Oh, yeah, ballparks.
0: Yeah,
1: exactly. So, um, but yeah, so that kind of weaves into um, kind of furthering it along that there. And because Catholic is universal, it's a universal church, um, you're able to incorporate instruments of the different communities that, mm-hmm. um, is that the mass may be taken in. So,
0: so when did, when did that sort of start happening? I mean, cause I feel like that's sort of like, a something that probably happened around Vatican too, right? Yeah, when, really. Yeah. When, um. When the church said, "Okay, Mass is no longer just cel- can, is just celebrated in Latin; it's celebrated in the vernacular language wherever it's celebrated." So, like for instance, in America, post-Vatican II, we celebrate Mass in usually in English, or in Spain, Spanish, German, Germany, German, you know. And so, as a result, you have probably this expansion of different like types of music and instruments being incorporated into the liturgies.
1: Yeah. With Vatican too, because you were able, the mass was then able to be done in the vernacular, like you were saying. So with that, you know, everybody is free to use the music of their culture in mass as well, you know, to the traditional instruments, um, to fully get the congregation together to praise.
0: Yeah. Um, you know, you can even take it. You know, we're we're kind of going forward, you mm. know, from Gregorian chant onward. Mm-hmm. But you can even maybe take it backwards to mm. the ancient Israelites. Like, what would they what would they do in the liturgy? They sing the Psalms, right? Which we which we pray in sacred scripture, in which we sing we sing as well during Mass. Um, so it kind of takes us back to like when we sing the Psalms during the Mass. It takes us back to like, the earliest, like, Jewish liturgies when they sing sing psalms to the Lord. Like, especially, um, there's this set of psalms um, called the Psalms, psalms of Ascent, um which were traditionally, like, for each step of the temple, they would pray, they, they would sing one of these psalms, right? So as, so the first step, they'd sing this first psalm, and then the second, when they ascended to the second step, they'd sing the second second psalm in the in the order all the way up to the to the temple and then they bring their sacrifice before the priest which is pretty crazy to think about
1: (laughs) yeah it's got to be a lot of steps (laughs) right (laughs) too so but yeah that makes me think back to just the psalms are an incredible resource too we can talk about that kind of later but um the the fact that you can pray you know the same in the same way, with Mm -hmm. the same words that are, you know, recorded in the Psalms is also really beautiful so, but I would say music is as part of, you know, history with, like as far as language too, you know Mm -hmm. so, I think as as long as humans have been communicating, there's been music
0: (laughs) Yeah, there have been beautiful hymns composed throughout the ages through the church too, like Mm -hmm. you know, St. Gregory the Great we're talking about, he Legend has it that he received um, the Dies Irae, which is a traditional like requiem hymn um, that is sung on All Souls' Day. Um, that's a beautiful, if not uh, solemn, somber hymn um, that you know Saint Gregory received. Um, and then you have like for the Solemnity of Corpus Christi, like hymns that were composed by Saint Thomas Aquinas, like the Pange Lingua, which Um, the last two stanzas are the tantum ergo which if you've ever been to like a night of adoration you may have heard those two stanzas yeah and then obviously it goes down down the centuries so so much good music Um, now are some types of music more sacred than others
1: (laughs) I feel like this is a pointed question (laughs) yes that is definitely the case think about you know art and music itself is a type of art, but there is definitely art that lifts the soul and the eyes you know to God, and it's similar you know with music so there's certain types of music, you know sacred music, for instance, and we could talk about the two qualities that sacred music has
0: yeah you know before before you get into that um mm. like definitely wouldn't be here in like. I don't know. Uh, Lil Nas X at uh, Catholic Liturgy. <laughs> True. Especially when he's doing, you know, satanic uh, music videos or to his songs. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I would definitely agree that there's um, definitely more sacred music than, than others. Um, so... Um, like like we were talking about Gregorian chant would probably, yeah, be more uh sacred than uh yeah, Lil Nas X or something like that.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's uh so to to really, yeah, denote sacred music, it's got two comp- two dimensions really. There's a ritual dimension and a spiritual dimension of it. Uh so the ritual dimension is referring to the ways in which it's connected with liturgical actions. Um so it's like according with the structure of the liturgy and expressing the shapes of the rites. So I think about anytime the priest is like, you know, holding up the Eucharist and, um, performing those rites, uh, the musical setting, it allows that right to unfold with the proper participation of the congregation.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And oftentimes, um, especially in like extraordinary form, high masses, the priest will chant a lot of these mm-hmm. prayers, um, and I mean, even now, too, like, you, you go to like a daily mass, like, even sometimes, like, the priest will, will chant some of the prayers. Mm-hmm. So, which
1: that is music. <laughs> That's true. It's true. It might not be a little Nazi, but it's music. <laughs> I would argue more so music, right? <laughs> uh, and then that spiritual dimension that I referenced before, it's uh, a quality of the sacred music. Uh, that enables it to add a greater depth to prayer and bring unity and dignity to the ritual itself. Mm -hmm. So it's sacred music really is holy when it meditates the holiness of God and forms the holy people of God more fully into communion with him.
0: Mm -hmm. So now, you know, we've been doing on this podcast, we've been doing um, this segment called Lyrical Lift where we apply like the lyrics of secular music to um, the spiritual life. Um so they may not have necessarily been intended to uh for for that purpose, but you know what would you say to something like that? would that be considered like sacred music' Cause there is sort of this like spiritual there can be sort of this spiritual dimension to to them
1: that's very true i it's definitely i've it's happened to me a lot where I'll be driving in the car or i hear a song and it actually i end up it ends up lifting. My mind to God. I start thinking about, oh wow, like this is itself beautiful, you know. And, and there's something inherently about this music. For me, it's since I'm an instrumentalist, it's typically uh, the certain like melody lines that they pick, what instruments they're doing it. So um, I'm a sucker for a lot of like folky kind of mandolin. <laughs> mm-hmm. So um, anytime that that um, I, I hear a line that I really like, I'm just wow, you know. There, I think it. There is definitely aspects of you know quote unquote more popular music that have can point towards you know i think the deeper uh spiritual realities so in that sense there is a lot of good that can come out of you know popular music
0: yeah but i guess you wouldn't call them call it sacred music because it's not there's not this ritual dimension
1: to it exactly yeah they're lacking in that ritual dimension but it's still pointing you you know
0: hmm So, yeah, so I guess, yeah, you may not, you know, use uh I don't know. Um what one of the lyrical if songs we did and it's like you'll never walk alone. So I don't think you'll use that at mass necessarily, but <laughs> you know, there is there is some some good to it and that's why we you know, that's why we, we sort of have that segment in there to like recognize that, hey, you know, there is this good in in the secular world. There is there is some good. It's not all Gone completely trash yet,
1: right? Exactly. If you, (laughs) it's so easy to kind of just. Oh, I I think we could have a tendency to just put nose down and not (laughs) want to just hear any of the music that's being put out. But there is a lot of good that is in it, and I think it's good and important to kind of expose ourselves to it. And there's, you know, obviously there'll be some songs that get popular that aren't the most. (laughs) reflecting to anything that's really you know Mm -hmm. good but um the ones that that do they're they're like diamonds in the rough but Mm -hmm. they're good so getting back to you know using music in the mass so like
0: should it only be sacred music like what sort of what type of music should be used like in liturgical settings
1: that is so so the mass itself has different components of it um so if you're familiar the you know Processional, and then um, then we've got you know the mass parts that really kind of go into the kyrie um, and the Gloria. So there there are different roles uh, that music plays throughout a mass, and so for those certain um, components, so the the more um, what's the word for that ritualistic, mm-hmm. really, um, those have songs and music that cannot typically that has to contain the words uh that ritualistic dimension to it
0: yeah like for instance on you stay in lamb of god and like you're not yeah. gonna get around saying <laughs> oh lamb lamb mary had a little lamb yeah that's it right that's what we want to say nope uh that's a uh, no
1: bueno just because it has lamb in it right you can't just <laughs> <laughs> sub it in so we know that yeah the words themselves are important um in it but there are you know there is room in the Mass itself, too, to have songs that are, you know, think about um, the song after Communion, you know, um, during Offertory as well, uh, that, you know, you're able to select um, and play songs that fit uh, the fit into glorifying God himself. Uh, and as long as they do that in a way that's... Not heretical to the church, <laughs> right. and, and reverent too, and reverent, right? Because
0: yeah. you know you can have a song that's you know reverent to the or, or well not heretical, but also be um, not really reverent to the time, right? For instance, if mm-hmm. you know you play something like you know during Lent we don't play we don't sing sing the Alleluia, right? Mm-hmm. Or the Gloria. Um, so like something like during Lent you shouldn't play. Have songs that are too like rejoicing, like in the in the um, in the liturgy, right?
1: Right. They need to fit that that more somber kind of step back tone. Mm-hmm. But but yeah.
0: Yeah. for Easter, right? You know, don't you don't want somber? You want the happiest songs you can <laughs> pick that are that like kind of still point towards the mystery of Christ's resurrection, mm-hmm. something like that. Like they should probably fit the liturgical season or the readings to yeah you know, it's something like ordinary time where it's like eh, there's not really a season or well it is a season but it's you know there's not it's not really somber not really like super festive there's like kind of this middle ground so it's like I can basically pick whatever you want <laughs> which is not the case you should not pick whatever you want
1: right yeah that, that, that brings up a good point that the music picks should relate to you, typically you know for um, inspiration when you're a music minister and you're picking, uh, music for the mass and you, you have the option to pick between a couple songs for those areas. You, you look at the readings to kind of see what songs can point towards that. What would be good choices that, you know, yeah, may contain the lyrics in them and, you know, further add a different dimension to the, um, the readings that, to the congregation.
0: Yeah. Now, a lot of times in, in the liturgy too, that you have, um, well, there are antif- what are called antiphons for each mass, right? There's an entrance one. There's a communion one. There's also an offertory one, um, which I know the masses I go to, they are typically, you know, chanted. Um, and that's sort of their their hymn per se for each of those parts of the mass. Um, do you think that those, those are more proper than, you know, Picking like I don't know, th- Lord, throughout these forty days or something.
1: <laughs> You're saying songs that,
0: like, the, like using like using the antiphons, oh. like as, like for instance, using the entrance antiphon as your as, re- as your processional hymn,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, versus you know picking a hymn that you know is is reverent, is good, yeah. is there, because um, I know that like I personally like you know, having the entrance antiphons because they're sort of proper to each day, mm-hmm. right? Um, but, I mean, there is, there is some merit to, you know, having the, you know, just the hymn that, you know, everybody can sort of sing along to. Yeah,
1: that, that, I think in a technical sense, yeah, that, that specific antiphon is more <laughs> correct, you know, to use. But that doesn't mean there isn't a place for, yeah, the more um, well-known hymn. Be yeah
0: in. so um can any instrument yeah we're kind of going on this like traditional versus uh a little bit more uh oh yeah this, modern this is a feel. fun track so because... <laughs> um, can any instrument be used in the mass like should we be having like a full rock band um at mass um during communion or should it be like voices only you know maybe an organ
1: but that's about it. As epic as a full-out metal mass would be, <laughs> I th- there is uh, there is certain <laughs> regards to <laughs> which instruments can be properly you know placed into the 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 mass, and a lot of that again goes back to what we kind of talked about with uh, the Vatican II um, bringing in um, the different instruments from each of the cultures, and so. Uh, and this this does get into you know i'll meet people that are super super into just like yeah you got to have just the chanting i only want the chant it's got to be all latin you know uh it's very reverent and it is but then you get on the other side i think it can get a little too contemporary you know and you kind of again don't have that where it's like pointing you uh back to god they're not picking songs that are (laughs) reflective of it so but I, i a big part of um Instruments is well obviously the sound that they make and if you think about it right if you had to pick what kind of song to play when like a bride is like walking down the aisle right and you had to pick okay I could do like a wedding march on an organ I could have uh, just a tambourine kind of shaken and I could have like a kazoo <laughs> Those sounds themselves, even if you play the most, you know, intricate solo on each of those pieces, the sounds that they make, right, we associate with different things. Like, kazoo is like a children's toy, you know, so it <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't really fit, you know, a uh, bride walking Come down on. the Come <laughs> on! You,
0: you you won what, your wedding day, to, you know, when you're when your bride walking day, down yeah. the aisle, you just hear a kazoo, a lone kazoo. <laughs> yeah, oh my gosh. I mean, I
1: Tony, yeah, <laughs> I... I have a kazoo. You could play for that if you want the job. And I've done a mean tambourine myself too. So, but yeah, if you really think about that, it is important which uh, which instruments are picked um, and played for um, in the mass. And so, because of that, it uh, goes back to the, the music too. And so, you know, I've met people that don't really enjoy acoustic guitar being, you know, for example, in in the mass. Uh, but other people really love it, you know, and it's because it's in our vernacular. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we ac- we encounter acoustic guitar, like, you know, on the radio when we hear it. You might have a friend that plays acoustic guitar. So it is, you know, it can be used in the mass. Yeah,
0: but what I'm hearing is no electric. So yeah, you know. exactly. Because <laughs> it's,
1: it's just, again, if you, it's, I mean... <laughs> And Tony is a fantastic guitarist, but he just went into mass and started shredding like on a solo. It doesn't. It takes the attention away from uh, the great mysteries unfolding before us.
0: Yep. Yeah. As much as I, as much as I love to uh, solo before Jesus, um, <laughs> I can do that in other settings.
1: Right. Um, yeah. That's true. It doesn't mean you can't ever solo. With yeah, Jesus. There's, yeah. There's
0: there's a pla- there's a time and a place for everything, and the mass is a special time where you know yeah mm-hmm. the instruments if there is any uh, instrumental accompaniment mm-hmm. um they should be like reverent mm-hmm. and focused on not drawing attention away like to to the instruments themselves but more so like bringing people more into the mysteries
1: right it's a time set apart and the music reflects that and helps you because we're body soul unity Right. We use music to help bring us into that space more fully and together.
0: Yeah. So, you know, we're talking about music and um, we're talking about instruments right now. But what about what about the voice? So, yeah, it's often been said, I think I think this quote's attributed to St. Francis of Assisi, that singing is praying twice. So, yeah, I want to ask you, like, why? Why do you think that is?
1: Yeah, this is something I've always heard just like growing up Catholic and one of my youth ministers would always say it. And it's, it's always made me ponder. And yeah, I've seen it attributed to St. Francis of Assisi. I've seen it attributed to St. Augustine even <laughs> too. So I think there's some um, lack of clarity on who it's actually attributed to, but there is truth behind it. So if you think about it, when you are praying and let's say, for example, like the Hail Mary, you're saying the words, right? And so that brings a certain awareness uh, in your head, right, to the words that you're praying. And so it helps you kind of orient yourself and your heart, you know, to prayer. Uh, But when you're singing, you're not only saying those words, but it's also uh, engaging in an act of um, creating art with your voice. And so I think that the singing component that, you know, it's the words, and it's not that, when you sing, you're saying a double prayer. It's, and it's not that that prayer counts twice, but it's just adding another dimension to prayer.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think one thing about it too is that, you know, someone who's in love, right? You know, they, they sing about their lover, right? Um, for instance, like that's what the whole Song of Songs is about, right? It's the, the, the bride singing about uh, the bridegroom. And, you know, the bridegroom singing about the bride like when you're in love you sing about the beloved mm-hmm. and you know if you're like we we are supposed to like love God and God loves us right God sings, sings to us um, we may not necessarily hear it but you know he sings to us like in the scripture right through the song of songs like Jesus sang he would sing the Psalms um, so yeah, because because they love us, because He loves us, um, and so, you know, if we're if we're in love with with God, like why wouldn't we sing about our beloved, or sing to our beloved?
1: It's um, a like that singing itself is an expression, like uh, almost like an overflowing mm-hmm. of the joy that's in your heart, right?
0: Yeah, like you know, you like there's there's something about two in secular culture right like mm-hmm. you know you like what's the most pop popular like theme that people sing about like that's in popular music love right mm-hmm. like like some of the most popular songs ever are like love ballads right like even start, starting with like maybe i don't know can't help falling in love by elvis presley <laughs> and like classic like and oftentimes the best the, the most popular songs that come out of movies too ooh, or musicals are, are like love ballads like In My Heart Will Go On by Celine Dion from Titanic or um something like that, you know? Um, there's this like joy in being beloved and joy in loving um, that sort of overflows in song, right? Like we can even like look back another scriptural example, like the Blessed Virgin Mary. Right? When when um Elizabeth like when she 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 Mary visits Elizabeth, um and Elizabeth like gives like directs this praise to Mary um for you know being the mother of the Saviour, Mary like in turn like sings back to God in the prayer of the magnificat. My heart my soul magnifies the Lord, my spirit rejoices in God, my Saviour. Which she would have sung that, right? She, she wouldn't have just said it like I did. She would have, like... You know, this, this like, musical, like, the hills are alive sort of thing with the sound of music, she, with Mary singing, like, it would have been, like, the most beautiful song I've ever sung. Yeah, so there's something about that, like, being, like, in love.
1: hmm mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think pertaining to people, when you... when you sing... You know, even if you don't sing well, I think that, that, that even, you know, getting your <laughs> vocal cords going and outputting that, it's, it's exactly like how, you know, how kids draw like little drawings and like they, you know, it's not really artistically, you know, anything to <laughs> look and marvel at, but it's just the fact that it's a drawing and they drew it. You're like, wow, I love it, you know? And so similar yeah. to us singing, God loves it when we sing, mm-hmm. even if we don't sing well
0: yeah I mean remember God God like gave us all these gifts, right? you know if you know God you know blessed some people with beautiful voices and God blessed some people with other things, but um yeah, I mean, yeah it's it's the effort that counts, right um like you were saying with the with the little kid drawn. You know his version of the Mona Lisa, which probably just looks like a stick figure, which is probably about as good as I can draw. So, you know, I'm right there with him. But um, yeah, that's the effort that it's the effort that counts. So even if you don't sing particularly well, like yeah, just let your heart be moved with love for for God. Um, Speaking of like that sort of practical thing, before we uh, wrap up here, we're sort of running a little bit out of time. In this section, but um, are there any practicals, uh, like practical things that we can take away about from like, you know, music in, in the church or music in, you know, praying?
1: Yeah, the first thing I would say, if you're someone that doesn't sing during Mass, start singing during Mass. Just pick a, pick. you don't have to sing during all of Mass if you don't want to, but pick a little section and start singing that and Don't worry about how you sound, but you'll, I just notice how, what happens in your heart when you start singing. And so I would, I would start with that. Um, Another thing, all this talk of music, it's great, you know, but it's also important too that we don't use music as a distraction. Um, And I think of often how mindlessly we drive to places and we're just listening to music or we're doing chores around the house and we're listening to music. Silence is also very very um, important and sacred and having that space and that quietness really moves you in a different way as well. I've noticed like I've just stopped listening to music on my commute and it has created the space for my heart to really ponder some things. And then when I'm in a situation where there is music and I can sing or, you know, for mass, for example, I'm even more fully present in it. So it's kind of two ends of it. You, you know, start singing if you ha- if you don't sing, but if you do sing and love music a lot, start taking it out a little bit and that emphasizes more so the music that is around.
0: Yeah, definitely like, yeah, definitely that second point about distraction. Yeah, um, I mean, I, and when we work too, right? A lot yeah. of times, ta- what, what do we do when we, you know, <laughs> grinding, like, you know, talking about, you know, one of the things we want to talk about in this Podcast is like like living work life well too, right? And yeah, like that's something I find myself doing a lot. Is I mean, recently I've sort of switched to listening to other podcasts. I know, crazy a <laughs> podcast or listening to other people's podcasts, but um, but sometimes I will listen to music during during work, um, and yeah, you know, oftentimes it oftentimes becomes a distraction. And you're like trying to if you're really trying to focus on work and you're just grinding you the music's kind of like it's like a background noise um so yeah sometimes yeah that silence is important um but yeah taking definitely taking some time out of your day maybe not necessarily during the work day but like like during your day just for silence just so that you can hear the voice of God like singing to you um and then you you could know, you then can in an overflow of praise mm. sing back my soul might maybe in the words of mary my soul magnifies the lord my spirit rejoices in god my savior so well that wraps up this this segment on music uh, thank you thank you Noah for your your insights and your inputs <laughs> um thanks yeah it's an honor tony so now we're going to move on to the uh cloud of witnesses segment so um, if if you're just joining us in this episode, the cloud of witnesses segments where we talk about the saints who um, are the cloud of witnesses, um, as the letter to the Hebrews puts it. The clouds of, cloud of witnesses um, for us to run run with um, to reach reach heaven. Um, and so this week um, we have we have two saints that we're talking about. Um, The first is St. Patrick. Um, Everybody everybody loves St. Patrick's Day. You know, you get to dress up in green, go, you know, act like a hooligan and drink beer, but uh, drink Irish beer and watch Irish dancing and whatever and paint the town green, you know, sing songs about rainbows and pots of of gold. But um, the real story of St. Patrick is... uh, A little bit different than all that. No, why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about St. Patrick?
1: Yeah, this is actually so fitting because, yeah, St. Patrick's Day is coming up. And um, I love that we get to talk about St. Patrick. Uh, He was born in Britannia in 387. And my favorite thing about him was that he was captured by Irish pirates to work as a slave at 14 years old. Uh, But he escaped captivity six years later, and he had a vision calling him the voice of the irish that's why he's associated really with the the irish and ireland um, he became a bishop and returned to ireland and where he converted on um, the whole island of christianity through process like over 40 years uh and when you think of saint patrick you think of what what like you know the four-leaf clover that shamrock uh it's used- really leaf clover <laughs> three-leaf i know see that's 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 heretical right there because right? <laughs> it's used to I've heard it, uh, people use it to explain the Trinity, like, oh, there's three parts of God, but it's all one thing, but it turns out. (laughs) Yeah, it's not necessarily, uh, the best, most
0: perfect analogy, but you know what? Hey, it worked. (laughs) worked. So, um, but the real, the real thing I love about St. Patrick and his actual story, as opposed to, you know, drinking beer and rainbows and rainbows and all sorts of green stuff, um, is that you know he he's a he becomes a slave he's captured by these peop- these Irish these Irish pirates and then he's freed he can do what he wants but then he goes back like he goes back to the peop- the same people that beat him up as a slave and has such great love for them that you know he desires to bring them to Christ and it's that love that wins. Um, and yeah, so you can sing, sing song. If you want to sing songs about, you know, Ireland, you know, sing songs about like, um, you know, thanking St. Patrick for converting Ireland to Christendom. Um, even though it's unfortunately, um, not as Christian as it was Mm -hmm. back in, uh, Back right after Saint Patrick was around, um, yeah. So take that time to like pray for the Irish as well because they they definitely need prayers. Um, so thank you, thank you, Noah, for that uh, love lovely uh, description of the life of Saint Patrick. So um, the other saint that we celebrate um, right the day right after Saint Patrick is Saint Cyril of Jerusalem. Um, so his story is a little bit different. It's, there's some similarities, but it's a little bit different. Um, he was born in uh, 315 around uh, around the area of Jerusalem. So not exactly Britannia. Um, this was just after Christianity became legal in the Roman Empire. So great. He doesn't have to be persecuted for his faith, right? Uh, no. Uh, But before before that, he became a priest and was put in charge of the catechumens in Jerusalem by the bishop of Jerusalem at the time. But when that bishop died, St. Cyril became the bishop of Jerusalem. Um, And he defended the true faith against Arian heretics. And these Arian heretics got him exiled not once, (laughs) not twice, but thrice Three times for, defend- for defending uh, the true Catholic faith, but fortunately for him, um, he was able to return for good um, by imperial decree of uh, Emperor Julian, um, just you know about a decade before he died. Um, so he got spent a decade back in his native land of Jerusalem, and. During this this time, he got to attend the Council of Constantinople, in which, yeah, that Arian those Arian heretics were officially condemned. Um, if you don't know what Arianism is, um, Arianism basically states that Christ was not God, but he he's was only human, but he was like sort of above all human creatures and like. So much so that God gave him the title of son of God. But he was not actually God. Um, So thank goodness it was officially condemned in the Council of Constantinople um, in the year 381. Um, And it was also in this council that the Nicene-Constantinopolitan Creed was formally published. And that creed is still in use today because that's the one we say at mass so if you ever um yeah whenever you go to mass you will hear the same creed pretty much the same creed that saint cyril of jerusalem was present for um like the beginning of back in the day um and he died at almost 70 years old at the year of 86 in, in the year of 386 AD. So yeah, so two two different stories there, but all two two really great examples of of uh, holiness. Um, so yeah, so and, that's, and those are the two saints that we celebrate for this week. And now we move on to the lyrical lift segment. So we talked about the lyrical lift segment a little bit in um, our main topic segment because it has to do with music right so this is where we take one song um one secular song that we sort of apply that we then apply the lyrics of to the spiritual life and so this week um we have the song you belong with me by taylor swift so uh Noah, do you want to uh say some, of the, say some of the lyrics for us <laughs> Well, yeah, but
1: the chorus for everybody is, can't you see that I'm the one that understands you, been here all along, so why can't you see you belong with me?
0: Yeah, so um, applying the lyrics to the spiritual life, we we were oftentimes looking off and away at the next big thing, you know, like, you know, the next, the new, the brand, big brand new Audi, whatever, R9, whatever, or something like that, <laughs> you know, The <laughs> brand, brand new car, you know, a new, what house we want to get, you know, look at that, ooh, look at that lovely mansion or whatever, right? So we run after things that we think that we want, but, you know, when we, when we do get them, we find ourselves empty and unsatisfied. And we, we, sh- well, we should realize that maybe, just maybe, that what we've been looking for has been here the whole time. God himself, the only one who will ever be enough. And when we turn to him, we discover that we belong with him and that he's been saying to us the whole time, you belong with me.
1: Wow, I wish I had that lens on it when I (laughs) first heard it in seventh grade. So that was my jam, Tony. That whole song, I remember just belting it and it's funny because my sisters were the ones that turned me on to Taylor Swift but not intentionally they had the CD and I put that on my iPod because it was the only CD I could find around the house and then that's how I first became a Taylor Swift fan so I'm great. glad to see her featured finally on the podcast I've been nagging at him to get her on here yep well, there you go
0: um, any any thoughts on any thoughts on that
1: yeah I think you can like taking that lens on it like you can turn that um into this is yeah christ desiring us um just as we are too uh that nothing that we try to and strive to attain even you know in this world uh would bring him any more fulfillment than who we already are um right now
0: all right well that will wrap up the podcast but before we actually wrap up Uh, If you like what you heard, or even if you didn't, please subscribe to this podcast and leave a five-star review. This will help us reach more people and get the good news out to a world which desperately needs to hear it. Secondly, we want to hear from you, dear listeners. From you guys. All of you. (laughs) If you have questions about anything we've discussed on this episode, previous episodes, Or anything in general.
1: Your favorite Taylor Swift song.
0: (laughs) Please send them via email to laymanshomily at gmail.com. That's L-A-Y-M-A-N-S-H-O-M-I-L-Y at gmail.com. Finally, please pray for us. And know that we are praying for you through the intercession of the patron of this podcast, St. Joseph whose feast we celebrate next week.
1: Get hyped for that. Oh, I'm so hyped, dude. We got a feast.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So God bless you this week, and we look forward to speaking to you all next week. This has been the Layman's Homily.